this morning, I'm going to be talking about praise. I'm going to talk about the benefits of praise. And um, I, honestly, after that praise and worship, it could be because I'm a little tired. But secondly, I just feel like we can go home. Like, it's just so good. And um, I, I, the Lord's already co- confirming some of the things that I feel like he wanted to do. And so, which is really, really cool. So, um, you guys know, obviously, we've transitioned to one service. And Pastor Mitch has expressed um, that part of us, not part, the reason we've gone to one service is to allow space and room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. But he's expressed that part of what the Lord wants to do um, is going to be through the avenue of praise and worship. So when I, um, I always ask the Lord what he wants me to share. And so when he said, you know, praise, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's good. We can do that. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. If you have your Bible, if you're going to follow on the screen, um, we're going to start with Psalm 103. And I like the Amplified, so a lot of my scriptures will be that in the Amplified Classic. It says, bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord. O my soul and all that is deepest within me, bless his holy name. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord. O my soul and forget not one of all his benefits who forgives every one of all our iniquities, who heals each one of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good, so that your youth, renewed, is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, and soaring. So praise definitely has its benefits, and there's always most definitely a praise, a play, excuse me, for play, praise. I just can't talk this morning. Jesus, help us. But King David, he starts this verse. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget all his benefits. So King David, we, when we talk about King David, we're always like, oh, he was a man after God's own heart. What a worshiper. He was the psalmist of Israel. But yet here, the psalmist of Israel had to remind himself to bless the Lord. He had to stir himself up to bless the Lord. And then he goes on to list reasons why we could bless the Lord, right? And so he heals all our diseases. He forgives our iniquities. He does, he does all these things. And so the reason he stirs himself up to remember to bless the Lord is because we are prone to forget to bless the Lord. I used to be a, a, an elementary music teacher and, um, the way we did it in the, the school system where I worked is as a music teacher, I was stationed at several elementary schools. And so I would have like all the kids, kindergarten through fifth, in three different schools. So where your normal teacher might have 18 kids, I was having six, 700 kids, right? And so um, learning names was always a struggle. But I guarantee you, after the first week of school, at every school, I knew all the bad kids' names. (laughs) All the behaviorally challenged students, I knew their name. And I got stories um, about some of these students that would just blow your mind. Now, if you were to ask me to name for you 10 well-behaved students you never had a problem with, it would be a struggle. And I don't know why, it shouldn't be that way, but it, but it is. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you married folk, you know what I'm talking about earlier in your marriage. You was like, you always doing X, Y, and Z, you always. You can't remember none of the good, but you remember, you always do it. You, do all, you remember all the bad stuff. And so, again, we have this tendency to forget how good God is. Does, does that make sense what I'm saying? Um, you know, and, and, and we are 
I don't know. We're just forgetful. We're busy. And so my goal today is to help us establish a pattern to remember that he's good, to remember that he's worthy of praise, to remember that we need to thank him. Are you with me this morning? You got to talk back to me because I do a whole lot better. My very first point I want to talk about this morning is praise produces godliness. Anybody want to be godly? That was like 12 people. Anybody want to be godly? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 45 through 48 in the Amplified Version. It says, all these curses, somebody said, uh-oh, shall come upon you and shall pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed. Because you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. They shall be upon you for a sign of warning to the nations and for a wonder and upon your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness of mind and heart and gratitude for the abundance of all with which he has blessed you. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord shall send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in want of all things. And he will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he has destroyed you. Listen, this is written for our learning. And the curse didn't come because they were in gross sin. The curse became the help us father the curse came because they forgot to say thank you because they forgot to be grateful does this make sense what i'm saying imagine uh putting your house up for collateral and bailing a friend out and he waltzes out of the jail and don't ever say thank you imagine you work real hard you work six days a week and so the one day of rest you have to help your friend move you go and do that and they don't even buy you pizza they don't even say thank you does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay, imagine a father giving his only begotten son to pay the debt that somebody else dog owned should have paid, and no one ever turns around and says, thank you, Lord. This is, this is what we're talking about. Um, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, verse 1 and 2. But understand this, that in the last days will come, set in perilous times. We're in the last days. You with me? Set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, utterly self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant, contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents. Here it is, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Right there, between disobedient to parents and unholy, he puts ungrateful. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to thee, unthankful, and evil. So he puts unthankful and evil right there together. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now the doings, practices of the flesh are clear. They are obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, or ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In American culture, we are surrounded. Listen by prosperity, surrounded by blessing. And somehow or another, we think that everything good that has happened to us has come by our own doing. It is not. Every good and perfect thing comes from above. And so what happens is when we don't give thanks, we take on this, this, this air of 
in entitlement. And that entitlement stems from selfishness. And if you are selfish, you lack gratitude. A lack of thanksgiving is grouped into the behavioral category that belongs to those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all, I lead, I, I lead worship. I, I make a living by saying thank you in psalm form. And when I read these verses, I said, my God, do I say thank you enough? Do I say thank you enough? I recently read this book uh, called um, The Heavenly Man, excuse me. And after all he went through and just, you should read the book. I'm just not going to spoil it. But after reading that book, that made me want to be grateful for little things. I remember right after reading that book, and I, I still do it. I need to get better at it. Uh, my wife brought in groceries from the house, and she was putting groceries up. And, you know, we just talking to have a good time. The kids running around, daddy, daddy. And she's like, oh, I got the eggs, and I got the bread, and I got this. And I said, everybody, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Everybody, freeze. Cody, freeze. And everybody stopped. And I said, lift your hands. And I said, Father, thank you that we have food, because we take these things for granted. Father, thank you that we have food. Y'all remember, <laughs> y'all remember when COVID was at its height, how thankful you were to have a roll of toilet paper? <laughs> something so small, something seemingly so insignificant because you're used to having it. We hardly ever say thank you for the small things. Are, are, are you with me? Listen, praise, it expresses gratitude. It expresses gratitude. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 24 we, we digging deeper. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperable. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For every, ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity has been intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made, his handiworks. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification. Because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginings, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. And by them, the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man and birds and beasts and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning themselves to the degrading power of sin. Now, I read a lot, but here's, here's, here's what you need to understand. The first thing is every person has this intuitive knowledge that there is a God. Every person knows truth. They just don't know that he is the truth. Does, does that make sense what I'm saying? And so um, every person has imprinted on their hearts, this intuition that there is a God. They can look at nature. They can see God and how he interacts with them through people. And they know that there is a God. But secondly, people begin to step away from God because they don't glorify him as God. That's what he says. When we don't give praise and recognition to God, it says that we are not thankful. And not giving God praise and thanksgiving says to God that I do not need you. So the other side of that, giving God thanksgiving and praise says that I need you. It says I want you. It says, God, I am dependent on you. 
And then the third thing is because they did not glorify God as they become futile and godless in their thinking and their minds become darkened. This is the progression of stepping away from God. I know God, but I don't give him thanks. Therefore, I become sufficient in my own strength. And therefore, I end up walking away from him all together. And once your hearts are hardened to God, you become spiritually slow. You don't get what you should get when you should get it. It takes you a little bit long to get it. Here's what I'm saying. The Christian walk. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying your Christian walk becomes a lot harder than it needs to be because you're living your life not fully recognizing who he is. And we'll get into this more later. But are you with me? Have I laid a solid enough foundation? You need to praise God because it produces godliness. You need to thank God because it, it says that I'm dependent on you. Does that make sense? Listen, I'm a little reluctant to even give my kids some juice out the refrigerator when they don't say thank you. No, no, okay. I'd be like, I'd be like, what you say? What you say? What you say? Oh, oh, thank you. You're welcome. You know, you know, if they come and they say, give me this, give me this. I say, oh, may I have some? Oh, may I have some? Yes, you may. Thank you. You're welcome. And so this is what I'm talking about. Are we not the children of God or are we entitled? Let's go to my second point. I'm going to lift it up a little higher. Praise and magnifies God in you, though. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So, in other words, praise, it echoes your view of God. Let me give us a working definition of praise. Praise is the proclamation of who God is and what he has done. Praise is not a fast song. Praise is the proclamation of who God is and what he's done. Here's what worship is. It is not a slow song. Worship is your response to who God is and what he has done. I'll say that one more time. Praise is the proclamation. It's proclaiming who God is and what he has done. Worship is our response to who God is and what he has done. Another way you can say it is that worship is simply how you live your life. It's your response to who he is and what he has done. Does that make sense? So when we say worship, what we do up here on a Sunday morning and Wednesday nights when we worship is this much of what worship actually is. Does that mean it's 24 hours in a day? Worship is so much more than the little time we have together singing to the Lord. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Are you with me? I don't think I need to dig into that. But if you are living for God, if you're choosing to not be entangled with the world, coming out of darkness, coming out of sin and choosing to live for him, living to please him, then you're worshiping. Now your life is singing. Does that make sense? Let's go deeper. Praise. It is the apparatus that connects our hearts to who God is. Praise itself is an expression of faith. I feel like I'm favoring this side. Praise itself is an expression of faith. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I know I'm, I know I'm going fast. 
but I want you to get it. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Okay, I'm going to come over here. So your level of praise is in proportion to your level of faith. Okay, so I won't, be, I won't praise God as a healer if I don't have faith that God heals. I don't have faith that God heals if I don't have revelation to understand that he heals. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Therefore, I won't praise the healer. Does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? I don't have faith that he'll provide if I don't know that he provides. Therefore, I won't praise the provider. And this is why, I think I say this almost every time, this is why it's important to live your life um, with the gospel in front of you. Not just on Easter Sunday should you be thinking about his sacrifice and his life. Because what it does in me is that it makes me realize that he himself took my infirmity. It makes me realize that by his stripes I am healed. What it does make me realize is that if God freely gave up his son, how will he not with him also freely give me all things. Does that make sense? So, oh, I live. I wouldn't say every day. I might be lying if I say every day, at least five days a week, at least five days a week. I'm reading something, singing something that puts my mind on what he did on that cross. Does that make sense? The cross is not an Easter message only. It's an everyday message. And then you live your life in worship based on what he has done. And so if you want to operate Still talking about faith. When he talks about abounding in faith in that scripture in Colossians, when he says abounding in thanksgiving, excuse me, he's talking about faith, abounding in faith. So if I don't, um, if I don't abound in faith, then I'm not living, uh, or I'm not, good, how do I want to say this? If I'm not abounding in thanksgiving, it doesn't mean that I don't have faith. It just means that I'm not abounding in thanksgiving. Does that make sense? I, th- I feel like that went over your head. I want to abound in faith. And if I'm abounding in faith, then praise has to be a part of it, or thanksgiving has to be a part of it. Does that make sense? Because if I'm not praising him, that means I'm not thanking him for it. And I don't have faith for it. So I want to abound in faith. God, I need you to heal. God, I need you to provide. I want to abound in faith that he's going to do it. Therefore, I'll abound in thanksgiving. My faith will increase as I praise him. As my faith goes, so does my praise. As my faith goes, so does my praise. It's, it's like when Pastor Mir brought us up here, and if, you know, this is what we're believing God for, and I'll say that as a blanket say, if we're believing God for something, and we say, now praise him like you received it, like it's yours, and you don't move. If nothing happens in here, you might not be abounding in thanksgiving that he's done it. Does that make sense? But when I'm abounding in thanksgiving, I have the revelation that he provides and that he will provide, that he has provided. Does that make make sense what I'm saying? Okay. If you want ever increase in faith, as Smith Wigglesworth calls it, you need to abound in praise, okay? Praise connects us to the greatness of God. And if you want to live connected to the greatness of God, you need to praise him greatly. If you want to live connected to the greatness of God, praise him greatly. Um, if we look at the life of David, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I just want to, can I just read y'all the Bible this morning? Can I read y'all? Okay. 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies 
for battle and were assembled at Soko, which belongs to Judah and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Damanim. Saul and the men, I tried really hard to learn that word this week. I couldn't. Saul and the men of Israel were encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And a champion went out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was almost 10 feet. And he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of mail. And the coat weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze shin armors on his legs and a bronze javelin across his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. His spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And a shield bearer went before him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be your servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I'm going to jump down to 20, verse 20. So David uh, rose early the next morning. His daddy sent him out there to feed his brothers. So David rose up early next morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host going forth to the battleground shouted the battle cry. And Israel and the Philistines put the battle in array, army against army. David, I'm reading the story because I'm painting the picture. David left his packages in the care of the baggage keeper and ran into the ranks and came and greeted his brothers. And they talked. Behold, Goliath, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, came forth from the Philistine ranks and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Big mistake. Uh Uh-oh. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him, terrified. And the Israelites said, have you seen this man who has come out? Surely he has come out to defy Israel. And the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free from taxes and service to Israel. Somebody said, I go with them, no taxes, let's go. And David said to the men standing by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living. In other words, who's this guy who's not even in covenant with my God? That's what he's saying. And the men told him, thus shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his elder brother, heard what he said to the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why did you come here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumptions and evilness of heart, for you came down that you might see the battle. He said, you just want to see a fight. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not a harmless question? And David turned away from Eliab to another and asked the same question. And again, the men gave him the same answer. When David's words were heard, they were repeated to Saul and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of the Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight with him. We're talking about praise. You with me? We're talking about worship is your lifestyle. It's who you are. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go to fight against this Philistine. You are only an adolescent, and he has been a warrior from his youth. And David said to Saul, 
Your servant kept his father's sheep, and when there came a lion, or again a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and smote it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and I smote it, and I killed it. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword over his armor. Then he tried to go, but could not, for he was not used to it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I'm not used to them. And David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's lunch bag, a whole kid's skin slung from his shoulder in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David, the man who bore the shield going before him. And when the Philistine looked around and saw David, he scorned and despised him, for he was but an adolescent with a healthy reddish color and a fair face. And the Philistine, in other words, you too pretty to fight me. That's what he's saying. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you should come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me. He said, come at me, bro. Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you. Here it is. In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you have defied this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will smite you and cut off your head. And I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with his sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. When the Philistine came forward to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand into his back. He took out a stone and he slung it and it struck the Philistine sinking into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine. You know the story. You know the story. What am I what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? If praise connects you to the greatness of God. If praise refocuses you on who God is and it reminds you that greater is he that's in me than he that's within the world. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I'm going forward. It doesn't matter what's happening. I'm going forward. You had a giant of a man and you had a teenage boy. He had a spear, a javelin, a sword and a shield bearer. He had a slingshot. He had army and warrior experience and all he was was a sheep keeper so it does not matter what it looks like it does not matter the experience you have or do not have if greater is he that's in you than he is within the world this will change how you step into a room when you step into your office at work and everybody's saying oh it feels so taxing in here oh it feels so harsh in here you walk in here you said the kingdom of god has showed up praise in its bodied form has showed up and so when you step into what god has called you it changes things it magnifies God in your heart. So if the doctor gives you a negative report, 
<laughs> it's just an opportunity for God to be God in your life. David had a sling. That's it. But I come with a song. That's it. Wow. It magnifies God in you. If you were to look at, uh, use an actual magnifying glass, obviously it magnifies what's little. But also, you probably don't notice it because the other things that were around the object that you couldn't make out, as you get closer, they get pushed out of the lens. They get pushed out of the view. After David took Goliath's head off and the Philistines ran, all of Israel got up and they ran after them. They forgot that moments ago they were terrified. They forgot that, uh, uh, I don't know how long they had been out there, but they were out there panicking and fearful and nobody wanted to go out there. Saul's wife didn't look pretty enough and the taxes being taken from their family wasn't appealing enough because they were in fear. Because they saw a giant in front of them and they didn't think they could come against it. But when you recognize who God is... It ain't about the pretty girl. It ain't about the taxes. It's about you are defying the ranks of the living God, and I'm coming. You should give God praise. (laughs) See, praise is a testimony that testifies to the faithfulness and goodness of God. And this is why he said, remember the lion? Remember the bear. He did it before. He'll do it again. You got to hold on to. And you got to remember. Just what God's done, what he's delivered, what he's delivered you from. You got to take and make it part of your daily routine. Create these daily rhythms in your life. And I recommend doing the first thing in the morning so that you can go forth with your day. If you're a night person, praise God. Um. But I would suggest to everybody here that you read a chapter of Psalms every day. Because the Psalms are filled with, Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. How great you are. God, I need your help. Break some teeth. Redeem me. Deliver me. Oh, God, but you're so good. You're so faithful. You're so wonderful. Lord, shut it down. Shut it down. This is what I'm going through. Praise you, Lord. Everybody should praise you. Read the Psalms every day. I get hype in the morning. So stirred up reading the Psalms. So here's my third point. Praise is vital for the days ahead. If these are the last days or the last of the last days, if we are in these days and set in perilous times, then praise is going to be vital and key to help you. It's going to be the way forward in these last days. And so when I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to share? The very first thing he told me was the goodness of God. And, I, and I'm like, great. And then he gave me Psalm 103. And I'm like, great, this is going to be easy. And then he was like, praise. And I'm like, I don't know how to make that work. But once I was able to connect the dots, once he connected dots for me, this is it right here. The way forward is to praise him, is to remember his faithfulness, is to remember that the Lord is good, is to remember that he's delivered you before and that he will, he will do it again. You see, fear and doubt, and that's what's coming. If you aren't looking at the Lord, fear and doubt are coming. And what those are, they are disconnectors. They will take your attention off of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says, but looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. This is what he says. So again, practically the key is to remember that he's good. It's to remember the line. It's to remember that when you were in a challenge before, you're still here, that he brought you through it. 
Praise, it reconnects and it recalibrates. It realigns you with who he is. Are you following me? Or did I lose you at the at Goliath? Okay. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. <clears throat> this is the King James Version. This is probably the only time in my life I've ever used it to teach, but I, I like this one, this one bit of punctuation. I did. It made all, I couldn't find it in any other version. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will of the Lord is what the will of the Lord is, sorry, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. That, that semicolon right there, that's what I needed. How can I be filled with the spirit? How can I ever be filled with the spirit? I can speak to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I can make melody in my heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want to clear up some things here. It says, Speaking to yourself, but then it also says at the end of verse 19, to the Lord. When you sing, it's not about you. You're not singing to you just to sing to you. God will give you the song to sing, and you sing it to him. And as you sing it to him with your heart or in your heart, it'll minister to you. Does that, does that, make, does that make sense what I'm saying? So it's not about um, singing just to sing. And then he also talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Listen, um, Charles Wesley wasn't alive when um, Ephesians was written. He, he writes hymns. Y'all didn't know that, so you didn't know that. Hymns, it means um, a song that gives honor, praise, or thanksgiving. I had somebody say something to me the week ago. I said, I wish I knew those, those hymns. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you a hymn book. And they're great. But what you want to do is you want to sing the song that he gives you. Does that make sense? A psalm is just scripture set to music. Yeah? And a spiritual song is a song that came from the spirit, like from the realm of the spirit. A download from, uh, from the spirit. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay. But sing it with all your heart and sing it to the Lord. Oftentimes, um, we make, how do I want to put it? We limit, that's what I should say, we limit praise and worship to just being a tool to overcome. And it is. It is. The primary reason we worship God is because he's worthy. It's because he's good. And so I know a lot of people, it's like we just, we don't ever listen to worship music. We don't ever worship. We don't ever thank the Lord until hell lands. And what that means is you aren't able to sing or make melody in your heart to the Lord because your motives are wrong. It's not worship. Now it just becomes, even if it's a Christian song, it's no different than any other sad secular song on the radio about your boyfriend leaving you or about your world falling in. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So when you sing, you sing to the Lord always because he's worthy. Whether it's snowing, whether you're in labor, whether the sun's shining, whether you got a bee sting. Whether there's food in the grocery store or whether it's not, you sing to the Lord. I feel like I lost you there because I feel like we like to just sing, oh, oh, hell's breaking through. Let me put on my war song. No, 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 no. It's all the time. It's all the time. It's all the time. It's all the time. That's what Paul and Silas did. You know, when they were in prison, in the inner prison, they didn't sing, say, 
Paul didn't look over and Silas said, hey, bro, watch this. I'm going to sing, and this whole thing going to shake, and we're going to get out of here. No, that's not what he did. He said, no, he's good. He's good. I got chains and, and stocks on my hands and feet, and it's good. So they just sang, and they sung so that everybody could hear. It brings me to my other point. I'm, I'm almost done. It's not so much about how you sound. It's not so much about um, anything else other than who you're singing it to. Does that make sense? And so they sung it, and everybody in the prison, they heard them. This is Acts chapter 16, if you want to look it up. Everybody in the prison heard them. So this means they were confident in who their God was. Even in chains, we're talking about in the days ahead, even in chains, even in hard-pressing situations and circumstances, we can be confident in who God is. He's already taken the sting out of death. So what more can be done to you if it comes to you giving your life for the Lord? What, what? I tell my children all the time, I don't know if they think I'm playing, but I say it enough. I say, I say two things to them. I said, listen, if I were to fall dead right now, unless you really, really, really need me, I tell my children, because they have the power to do this. Don't you, don't you put your hands on me and rebuke death and bring me back here, because I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. Don't you do it, unless you really, 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 think about it, unless you really, 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 really need me. Another thing I told my children before, I said, listen, if it gets real bad out here, and if somebody puts a gun to your dad's face, and they look at you, and they say, say you don't love Jesus anymore, you look them dead in the eye and you say, I love the Lord. Because he's taking the sting out of death. Somebody say, why are you talking to your kids about that? Because we're in the end times. And you're doing yourself a disservice if you aren't prepared. That's what our pastor, he's a watchman on the wall. And he's been preparing us for, his, for a long time now. For a long time. So when he says, get your pantry full and get ready, I'm like, who ain't got, who ain't got this stuff together? Get your stuff together. <laughs> if nothing else, you got some extra beans to eat when you run out for the cookout this weekend, you know? <laughs> Praise God. 